Welcome to the Sunday Morning Message, brought to you from Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. Creekside Church, where the Spirit flows. The message today is entitled, Time, a Gift from God. And I think it's only appropriate on New Year's Eve that we talk about time. And I'll get into some of the Bible verses that deal with it. Uh, The biblical principle is God has given us a purpose for our lives. And we'll get to that purpose later in the message. But our our application, personal application, is then we need to use our time to fulfill the purpose that God has given us. I think it's appropriate to talk on New Year's Eve about resolutions, but I'm not going to get into a lot of resolutions, okay? Uh, I, I know all of you would be expecting that, but I will touch upon it towards the end. So in a larger context, though, what I want to do is talk about time, that precious gift from God. Now, when I think of time... I think about this thing that I used to see in malls a lot. Um, You don't, there's hardly any malls left anymore, but this is the coin funnel. And I used to love those things. And when our kids were with us, I used to love, Pat would empty her out her coin purse and I would dig into my wallet and I was careful not to give them a quarter, but I wouldn't give them a lot of nickels, dimes, and pennies. But as you can see here, what happens is, as you go here, you drop the coin down, and then it goes around so slowly and slowly, and then it would start to speed up a little bit. And then as it gets to the funnel, I mean, it just just goes around. You hardly know what the coin looks like. It goes so fast. But when I was a kid, this funnel sort of exemplifies how I think of time. Because I would, as a kid, I would go around and I'd say, oh, time is going so slow. I mean, when I went to kindergarten, from the time it was to start the school until nap time seemed like an eternity. And we only went to kindergarten for four hours in those days, but it seemed long. And even in first, second, third grade, I'd say, oh, eight o'clock three o'clock. It is so long. But then I got into high school and college and things seemed to go by fast. You know, you're a freshman in high school and before you know it, you're a senior. Right, Savannah? (laughs) And then you go to college. Same thing. You say, oh, I'm a freshman again. And before you know it, you're graduating and you're going into the work life And it seems like time is speeding up. It just seems like we just celebrated January 1st, and here it is December 31st. When I was a kid, December 1 to Christmas was an eternity. Now it goes by so fast, you say you can't get everything done. And so this reminded me somewhat of life. It goes fast. And so what I think we have to do is say, what is important to us. I went around our house and counted the number of clocks, and I know I missed some. Wall clocks, alarm clocks, wristwatches, pocket watches, car phones or car clocks, 
cell phones. I counted 22 of them in our house. And I'm thinking, time must be important if we have 22 clocks in our house and all around us. So it must be important. But let's talk instead about what the Bible says about time. First is Psalm 118, 24. It says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now we have this on a plaque above our back door. You cannot help but see it every day. And it's gotten to the point where when I wake up in the morning and my feet hit the ground from bed, I say, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Now, why? Well, two things. One is, this is the day that God has given me. He's given me this day. And so does he want me to go around being grumpy? Or does he want to say, no, rejoice. Be glad in it. So we should appreciate each and every day that God gives us. Rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what the circumstances may be that we're living through. In Psalm 90, verse 12, it says, Teach us to count our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And in Tim's prayer, he said, Teach us wisdom, Lord. And so we need to count our days. What that means is God has given us a number of days here on earth. He needs to know that we're using those days for his purpose. And again, I'll get to what those purposes are later. And we all have the same number of hours in a day. It doesn't make any difference if you're rich or poor, what ethnicity you are. It's, all those things are irrelevant. We all have 24 hours a day. And so God is impartial from that standpoint. Shows no partiality. Ben Franklin once said, lost time is never found again. Lost time. Because it's behind us now. It's never found again. One of the, first, one of the worst things we can do is think that time belongs to us. It doesn't. Time belongs to God. And so therefore, what are we doing with that time? If I go to Psalm 139, 16, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed in me, when none of them as yet existed. And if you go back a couple of verses from that, it says, You knit me in the womb. So God knit us in the womb. Your eyes saw my unfarmed substance. Now, I'm not going to get into the value of life, but Psalm 139 says life is important because God farmed my unfarmed substance in my mother's womb. And the other thing is, in your book were written all the days that were formed for me. So God has a plan. For my life, God has a plan for your life. 
even when none of them has yet existed. In other words, I was still in my mother's womb, and God had a plan for my life. In your book were written all the days that were formed in me. If I go to the next, Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise people, making the most of the time because the days are evil. First thing that tells me is live with wisdom. Live as a wise person. And if we would go back to Proverbs, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, the awe and the reverence that we have for God is the beginning of wisdom. So we should live as wise people, making the most of the time. Essentially what that says is we need to make the most of every opportunity that God presents to us. Live as wise people and make the most of each opportunity. But I just want to emphasize this. One is we need to live a balanced life. God doesn't say, say, I want you to be a monk. He doesn't say, I want you to live in a convert the rest of your life and just think of me. I mean, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But what we need to do is have a balanced life where we enjoy our family, where we enjoy the meals together, where we enjoy picking up the Bible and reading it. So we need to have a balanced life, making the most of every opportunity presented to us. But the other thing it says is be concerned with the present today because yesterday's gone. The future is still ahead of us. We cannot have regrets about yesterday. It's gone. It, there's nothing we can do about it. Mother Teresa said, yesterday prepares us for today. Today prepares us for tomorrow. So we need to live in the present. So don't regret the past, but also don't worry about the future. It's in God's hands. Look what Jesus said about the past and the present and the future in John chapter 9. They're approaching the town, and as they're walking in, the disciples notice a blind man. Now, this blind man was the one who Jesus eventually picked up some dirt and spit in it and put the, the mud on the blind man's eyes. Now, don't ask me why. That's God to know, not necessarily for me to know. But the disciples said this, why is this man blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? What were they doing? They were looking behind to the past. Was it his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. He's here to glorify the Father. To glorify God. So what Jesus was doing was he was working in the present to heal this blind man, but also the future, because he knew this blind man would have much to say about Jesus. So Jesus was saying, let's don't worry about the, the past. Live in the present and look to the future. If I go to the next one, Tim did a great job on reading Ecclesiastes. 
For everything there's a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. And he read through all the time to cry, a time to laugh, a time for peace, a time for war. You go down through that, that's one of Pat's favorite passages in the Bible. And it's so true. But he also said that God has made everything appropriate in its time. So we are all in here not because of coincidence. We're in here because God planned us all to be together in this church at this time. So God had a plan. But also that, as Tim read, God has put eternity into our hearts. Eternity. So we live for the present. We're here in the present. We're going to enjoy the earth while we're here. But God has put eternity into our hearts. Earthly pursuits are good in their proper place and time, but unprofitable when pursued as our chief end. In other words, earthly pursuits are okay, but not as the chief end of why we're here. So if I could take all these verses and put some reason why we're here, the biblical principle that I mentioned earlier said, what is our purpose? Why are we here? And from one of the catechisms, and a catechism is nothing more than a question-answer, sort of like what your kids would always do to you. Why can't I drive the car tonight? You know, and you give them an answer. That's sort of a catechism. So a catechism, this is from the Westminster Confession of Faith, the larger and shorter catechisms. It says, what is the chief end of mankind? Very first question in that catechism. What's the chief end? And the answer is to glorify God and enjoy his presence forever. So that's our purpose, to glorify God. God has put us here for that purpose, to glorify him in all that we do and all the activities that we do during a day, whether it's at work or at home, whether it's at a basketball game or wherever we are, we are to glorify God in all we do. And that no road rage or anything like that. We're to glorify God. So if I then said, well, how do we do this? How do we glorify God? Well, Ephesians 4.15 says it's best. We speak the truth in love, and we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So notice one of the things it says is we're to have love. But the other thing is we're to grow up. We're to have spiritual maturity. We are to grow up in Christ who is the head. And so one of the things that we have to think of then is how are our normal lives lived? Because the earth, the, the world wants us to live differently. It wants us to succeed, go for success, go for power, go for financials, you know, do all those things that show that, by gosh, we're doing good here on earth. But that's not spiritual maturity. Those things are okay in and of themselves as long as they're not our primary pursuit what we have to be concerned about is our spiritual maturity. If we want to have the character of God, 
and of Jesus, then we have to have certain characteristics. You know, the fruit of the Spirit. We need to have humility. We need to have integrity, honesty, a good work ethic. If we do those things in our godly pursuits, I tend to believe that the rest of those things, the success, the uh, financial security, will oftentimes follow. Not every time, but oftentimes will follow. Because a good work ethic that a Christian displays normally produces fruit. We should strive for spiritual maturity, which means to be thoroughly into sound doctrine. Think of it this way. Since we're created in God's image, our purpose cannot be fulfilled without him. We have to have that relationship with God, a strong relationship. And I'll say it again. Since we're created in God's image, our purpose cannot be fulfilled without him. And then once we key in our purpose here, once we know our purpose, which is spiritual maturity to glorify God, then that should decide our priorities in life. There's not enough time to do everything. But a lot of times what we will do is use our time to do things that are important to us. And so what we have to do is say, we have to make that distinction of there's only so much time Are we going to do the things that we think are important? Are we going to do the things that God thinks is important? That are important to him. And James 4.14 says, You don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little time, then vanishes. In other words, we can always say, "Uh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll read my Bible tomorrow, and tomorrow never comes. Because when you're there, it's now today, and you say, oh, I'll read my Bible tomorrow. I'll read my Bible tomorrow, or I'll start to pray tomorrow. And so what we do is we give up that spiritual maturity that God is looking for in us. And we don't know if tomorrow will be here or not. So... Now I'm going to get into New Year's resolutions. What are the top 10 that people normally look at? Exercise more. Lose weight. Get organized. Learn a new skill or hobby. Live life to the fullest. Save more money. Spend less money. And those two go together. Quit smoking. Spend more time with family and friends. Travel more. Read more. In and of themselves, there's nothing wrong with those. But they all have to do with self. All have to do with self. I want to exercise more. I want to lose more weight. They have nothing to do on that list with spiritual maturity. And why do we typically break these resolutions? They said normally by February 15th, over half of the people have already broken their New Year's resolution. And why? Well, the biggest thing is to keep a resolution You have to have commitment. You have to be willing to discipline yourself. You have to be willing to sacrifice. But most importantly, you have to form a new habit. We all have the habits. 
I can tell you exactly what I do for the first two hours of every day. It's just habit forming. Now, if I want to do something else, I have to form a new habit. And I have to be disciplined in it. And I have to have the commitment to do it. So forming a new habit is important. But when you put a cookie in front of me, I'm sorry, that habit, go, <laughs> losing weight, just goes out the window. So I have to get rid of cookies so, uh, and other things. Pat, I tell you, if there's ice cream in the house, I could eat the whole gallon in one sitting. But I, we don't keep ice cream in our house. Potato chips, I love potato chips. We don't keep potato chips in our house. So um, only if we invite company over, and then I, I say, boy, am I glad we're inviting company over. We got potato chips and ice cream <laughs> and cookies. So we have to form new habits. But from a spiritual maturity point of view, let me show you what we have to do. Spiritual maturity requires us to look at a different plan. One is study the Bible, and I'd like to put in there daily. Study the Bible daily. And some, you know, you've heard the old thing, oh, I started in Genesis and Exodus, and I got the numbers, and there was about four chapters of people I never knew before, and I just got tired of reading it. Or I went to Leviticus, and they talked about the spiritual garments of the priests, and I said, what does that have to do? Well, what I would say is read the Bible daily, and there's about 1,200 chapters in the Bible. And what I would do is pick out something like start in the New Testament and read one chapter a day, but also read one psalm a day. And then you start on day two, a chapter and psalm number two. And when you're through with the Psalms, which there's 150 of them, then you go into Proverbs. And there's about 31 of those, I think, chapters. And so you can go through Psalms and Proverbs twice a year. And if you read through the, Old, the New Testament, you'll get through it in about nine months. And if you really are ambitious, read one, one chapter in the Old Testament a psalm, and one chapter in the New Testament every day, and you will get through the Bible in less than two years. And you will say, I got through the Bible, and I learned a lot. Because if you read it daily, you cannot help but learn things in the Bible and to apply them to your daily life. So read the Bible daily. Now, one of the things that I have is, for about 40 years, I've been getting a booklet called Table Talk. And it normally goes through some books of the Bible every year. And it always has some type of articles in it. This year, it's, this month, it's called, in January, the Holy Spirit. It has four different articles, four or five articles on the Holy Spirit. But during the course of the year, it has a daily devotional and this year, they're going through the book of Acts. So see, if you start in the New Testament, once you get to the book of Acts, you say, oh, I don't have to read Acts. I'm going to be doing that this year. I always have about four extra copies on the table in the back. If you want a copy of this, take it. If we run out, um, I'll get you some more. Just let me know. 
Table Talk magazine, a daily devotional. And also, I've heard the thing, I don't have time to study the Bible. Well, and sometime today, on my cell phone, it will tell me how many hours per day I spend on my cell phone. I don't know if yours does that, but mine, I didn't set it up to do it. It just tells me. On average, I spend two hours a day on my cell phone. Now, for me then to say, God, I don't have time to study the Bible, I would be lying. I also read where on average, people on Facebook, Twitter, all the social media platforms spend about five hours a day, the average American. Now, I don't know who, what an average American looks like, but to spend that much time on social media and then to say, I don't have time to read the Bible, doesn't make sense. And if you do, if I, I've been reading a chapter a day, like I mentioned earlier, and I have footnotes in my Bible, and I study those footnotes, takes about a half an hour. Takes about a half an hour. So secondly, engage in a Bible study group. That's where you really learn. A small group is, is where you really learn the Bible and learn fellowship with people. And if you, we have one here, uh, two of them that are on Wednesday nights. We have one that's Sunday morning, nine o'clock. Or start one in your neighborhood with friends. Prayer, each day, prayer. And attached to your handout was a biblical virtues to pray for your kids. And it's a bookmark in my Bible. And it's been teaching me to pray for my kids, my grandkids, my great-grandkids every day. And like the very first virtue is salvation. And so this, and maybe you don't have any kids that are at home, but you can pray for kids you've adopted in grain of rice. You can pray these prayers for them. Service within the community and the church and then fellowship within the church. Because it's one thing to study the Bible and join a Bible study group, but we have to walk the walk. We have to live what we have learned. And so these are spiritual maturity resolutions. Now I'd like to end this, and it's on the back of your handout, if you turn that over. This is from Coach Bear Bryant. Now, how many of you know who Coach Bear Bryant was? Yeah. He was a coach of Alabama football team, Coach Bear Bryant. And here's what he had to say. This is a, was on a slip of paper in his wallet that they found after he had died. It was a worn piece of paper, folded up. And this is what he read each day. This is the beginning of a new day. God has given me this day to use as I will. I can waste it or use it for good. What I do today is very important because I am exchanging a day of my life for it. When tomorrow comes, this day will be gone forever. 
leaving something in its place that I have traded for that day. I want it to be for gain, not a loss, for good, not evil, success, not failure, in order that I shall not forget the price that I paid for it. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Message Creekside Church in Brookville, Indiana. For more information, you can go to www.creekside-church.org.